decisions, great out visits, great job not letting the best player beat you. This one crushed out to right field. pick of the 2023 MLB draft, the Detroit Tigers select Kevin McGonigal, a shortstop from Monsignor Bonner High School, Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. Two balls, two strikes to Bryce Harper. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. Yes! And it is gone. Yes! yes! It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top. Are you kidding me? What is up, Delaware County, and welcome back for episode number 43 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brennan Ricciardi. I am joined this time over Zoom by one Ben Thorpe, who of course is going to my alma mater, Penn State, without me for a Penn State hockey game. What's up, Ben? What's up? Coming here live from the car. Uh, doing great. Going to be there in, I don't know, 30 minutes, so I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, as long as one of us is in the studio, then we're all good here. Um, but no, we got we got a good episode today. We're going to be joined by our guys from Motive Physical Therapy, the guys that Ben and I have both been training with over the past couple months now. Uh, you know, part of our agreement with them is this: we were kind of, in a sense, almost being their their lab rats uh, for data because you know they brought us in with the idea that they wanted to find more people to you know, go through their program and test out, you know, all of their philosophies and, you know, kind of gather ga- gather data to be able to go and then promote their, you know, their company and say, hey, like we have information that shows like what we're doing is successful. And, you know, from a hitter's perspective, it's been awesome. Ben, from a p- pitcher's perspective, I know you've enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it's really been an incredible uh, experience. And there are a lot more of that in the interview. Um, but I, I would say like, we have been the lab rats. And I honestly couldn't think of two better lab rats to have for like this. Like considering like our, I guess, meaningful baseball careers are over. It's, I feel like, I feel like we're the two perfect specimens for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of went in with an open mind because, you know, at the end of the day, like my last season was not great. Like I'll be the first one to admit that. I don't think it's exactly a, a secret. And I think when you're at the place where I'm at, it's kind of like, you know, in in a sense, there was really no risk because what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, I don't play well. Like, I already didn't play well, right? So you kind of have to, you know, go into it with an open mind and think, all right, like, you know, if if what I did last year wasn't working, then I'll try this out. And I've really enjoyed getting to train with them uh, and really getting a better understanding of how the body moves, uh, how to best, you know, you can have all this strength and do whatever you want, but if you're if you don't really know how to use it, then it's not really, you know, beneficial uh, and as well as with injury prevention. So um, looking forward to talking to those guys and getting to hear their story. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about a couple of things first before we get them on here. Uh, I want to start off with uh, at the time of this recording, this is Saturday afternoon right now. I imagine by the time that it's all edited together and put together that this event will have already happened. But on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, a sent athlete right down the road, literally a 30 second drive 
from our studio. They have their yearly MLB draft showcase, and we had three Delco High School players all get invited. So we had two East Carolina commits, Van Wilner from Lower Marion and Gavin Ray from Carroll, who, uh, who previously went to school at Pencrest. And then we also had another recent Delco transfer, Corey Sheridan, who uh, pitches for Bonner. He was a Sleazyanum guy before. All three of them will be throwing live in front of all 30 MLB teams. And like, how cool of an experience is that for them? Oh, it's got to be just an incredible I, – I honestly could not even imagine going out and throwing in front of 30 MLB teams as a high school kid. But it's, it's an opportunity that I don't think was available to guys in our area until you know, Ascent kind of came up and started doing what they're doing. So just huge shout-out to those guys, and good luck to the guys around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really cool experience, especially because, you know, even if none of them – were to get drafted just to have your name like MLB scouts are so well prepared that you know there could be a guy where they don't want to draft him now but like if one of them performs to be like hey like three years down the road like I want this guy in my organization just seeing different stuff from them uh, and you know all three of these guys with the way that you know travel ball has kind of evolved like they're no they're no stranger to pitching in front of radar guns and cameras and you know things that uh that you know scouts will use to kind of keep up with them so uh you know, really happy for them. Uh, if if I'm able to get good footage, I'll, I'll toss it in here. Uh, maybe get some interviews with them to kind of talk about their experience. But I uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to those guys because, you know, one way or another, they're either going to uh, high D1 schools, you know, East Carolina or NC State, or they're going to get drafted. So I think both of those are pretty good scenarios. Pretty, uh, pretty solid plan B. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on here. Uh, we're going to stay in the Ascent Athlete Word. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to my guy, Chase Miller. Uh, so we just got to meet Chase. We went over to Ascent. Uh, I think it was like right around the end of 2023, and he let us take a look at the facility. I used to go there when it was Maple Zone, not Ascent. Uh, so, you know, it's it's been cool to kind of see how it's progressed uh, into, you know, a, a completely different brand, new ownership, new everything. Uh, I really like the whole black and gold mentality that they've adopted with the uh, with the turf and the cages and everything. But our guy Chase Miller just signed a deal with the Seattle Mariners to be a minor league hitting coach. Uh, and it's, it's no surprise because, you know, you see all of the stuff that they've been able to do with these guys that they bring in, the pro guys, the minor league guys, college, high school, whatever it may be. The, uh, you know, the, the metrics that they show have been really impressive with how they, you know, they treat hitting. And it seems like everybody that goes in there has positive things to say about him. Uh, it seems like a great opportunity for him as well. So you can really see with like the level of the hitters and pitchers and everything that have come through there. Just you know, the, the proofs in the pudding with just what he was able to do over there. So Mariners are getting a good one. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Um, we'll have to see if we can get him in studio real quick before he heads out there. I know he's at Ascent for a couple more weeks. Um, but, yeah, congrats to him. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see who's kind of you know taking over his role, whether they'll you know keep it in-house, get somebody completely out of the building, um, but either way, you know, it's, uh, it's it's really cool to see, you know, the hard work uh, paying off there. All right. Well, now, with that being said, let's bring in our guys from Motive Sports, Mark Gervaisi, uh, Mike Cavallero, and Mark Warlow. All right. We are now joined by our guys over at Motive Sports and Physical Therapy, Mark Gervaisi, Mike Cavallero, and Mark Warlow. Gentlemen, thank you for making the long trek all the way over right down the road from Motive. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it and uh, excited to be here. 
Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, man. This uh, this place is dope. It's cool. It's right in our backyard. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, we're excited for you guys and thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. No, it's it's cool to be in the studio. Uh, you know, like we were saying on the last show, doing it over <laughs> Zoom only really has so much like of a connection. The conversation just flows so much better here. It's just it's more natural, you know. Yeah. Oh, that doubt. looks so much more legit like the first one broke i was like all right this this looks yeah, legit now. yeah it's the next step here um so for those of you who don't know myself and ben co-host here have been training with these guys since i believe august is when we got started uh and it's, it's been really cool to see how you guys kind of approach things so whoever wants to start can you just kind of talk about motive like how it started the idea behind it and everything yeah, I can chime in. Um, so, um, yeah, it's been really fun to kind of work with you guys because I think we're both in this, like, early life cycle of kind of sounds like the projects that you guys are working on, um, what we're doing. Uh, Motive opened in 2019. So we're an uh, outpatient orthopedic physical therapy. Um, but really, the inception of it happened because I was uh, just a regular staff PT doing my thing um, in sports, mostly orthopedics and um the genesis of it was that i would have a lot of athletes that came to me kind of seeking out a certain skill set right um but it would be like your your neighborhood clinic in network we take your insurance and um there's a model that's really built upon that type of physical therapy um where a lot of us pride ourselves on our our hands right what we can do that magic's kind of made on the table right get your hands on somebody and and take them through progressions and help them heal um but there was a lot of like allure that left that was left um uh to the wayside when athletes would come in and they'd be like you know grandma's on the next table with a hip replacement and you know grandpa's getting some balance training and then it was really just like a table right and the therapist so athletes didn't really have this space where maybe they felt um they were getting a vibe of you know real competitive nature or other like-minded peers around them uh being battling through something similar um the other thing i was struggling as a pt would be like you know guys would come in and say yo mark i'm i'm having trouble when i snatch 200 pounds overhead and i would like look around i'm like oh we got a we got a couple ankle weights, you know what I mean? So um, how do you get creative? You do what you can do. Um, and when you work for a big organization, you can't, it's hard, you know, they, they got to extrapolate buying a barbell for 30 other clinics. You know, you're going to find some red tape pretty quick. Uh, at the same time, I'm kind of developing this mindset where, wow, what if I f kind of flew my own flag? How would I create my own physical therapy practice that would be a dream just to kind of cater a little bit to more towards athletes um at the same time my brother was um in the middle of his nfl career um kind of at the peak he signed with the eagles and uh had a catastrophic knee injury um and and i'd helped him a lot and you know, during his football career in college. And the NFL, you know, things tweak, you know, pop in the clinic, let's work on some stuff. Um, but this was a time where he had to really, really go through some major uh, rehab, being out for a year, uh, being sidelined, trying to uh, compete to keep his job. So um, I think that's where he really started to see the value in what athletes need. Um, and a lot of times at the NFL level, you're getting – you know, your pick of the litter, right? You know, Cairo, Masseuse, you know, 
cryo, you name it, right? You get a, a, a menu of options. And we found some really, really neat things related to sports technology that help, um, as well as just the, the approach of the therapist to help an athlete get to um, back to uh, um, sports. So as we're kind of going through that, I'm developing my dream. He's, you know, got this setback and he's working through it. And we're finding all these things that really work. And we just had this thought. Uh, and believe it or not, my brother approached me and was like, hey, I want to make your dream possible. Like, I want to invest in you. How can I love, you know, what what you've done for me or what you've done for um, athletes? You know, how do we do that ourselves? So, um so we started Motive 2019. The idea was to kind of bring that high-level, you know, kind of NFL uh, or pro sports type of mentality and investment in technology, the clinical practice we do, and how do we bring that to a community level um, for, you know, the 14-year-old in high school who's trying to make the varsity team and just blew out his knee, right? Um, can we bring that level of caliber uh, to the community as well as still just do really sound in network PT. So, uh, so we did a trial of that 2019. We opened in August, uh, right here in Chad's Ford, uh, put the open sign on the door and just started rocking and rolling. Um, and it's just been fun to kind of, I'm always interested in, in, um, the development process, you know, something like what you guys are going through as well. You know, when we started, we had just one small room, got a, you know, finally got a little paint on the walls, got a mirror up so we could watch some movement. And uh, we had like one rogue squat rack, you know, that we, that we uh, got at like an auction or something. And we're doing our version of sports therapy. And, and we had just had this committed effort to reinvest in all those things um, that you couldn't quite get a, a other places. So fast forward, uh, two years ago, we were able to grow enough to blow out our next unit and build, you know, much more of a kind of a state-of-the-art sports performance um, facility. So uh, it's, been, it's been a blast because now we can have a lot of those tools, um, and it's, you know, a different bag of tricks. When you, when you have a lot of those things, how do you streamline down to give athletes um, – kind of the core the core elements that are going to help them but we've gone from rehab to now a, a full kind of performance wellness model so injury prevention uh rehabilitation and obviously what we're probably here to talk about today is sports performance so we get a lot of guys the classic thing is you think about a you know a, sh a shoulder surgery guy gets a labrum repaired the the typical course actions like hey uh, I heard this guy's a good PT in my neighborhood. Let me go get rehab from him. He's like the shoulder guru. Even in most places, you know, insurance, you get like four to six weeks of rehab, eight weeks. They're like, hey, you know, you can put on a shirt without pain. Um, you know, you can wipe your butt. You're good. You know, like they care about ADLs. And most of these kids, you ask them and they're like, dude, I feel like I'm behind. I'm still, I'm 60% of the athlete I was, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And a lot of times it's no fault to the therapist, but just the system that's been built. A lot of times it's like, Hey, go back to your athletic trainer, go find your home gym. I'll give you some stuff to work on. Um, but to truly elevate an athlete after they recover, if they get back to baseline, you know, when I, when Mike came on board, we used to talk about all the time you know, what is baseline? Like, when an athlete walks to us, it's like, we want better than baseline, you know? 
Uh, the, and when they get, when they finally hit those milestones and they're back to throwing, jumping, cutting, sprinting, they're like, dude, how do we, how do I get better at this? You know? So that's where we've really migrated in the past year to, um, from a rehab mindset to offering the full spectrum from, uh, you know, pre, pre-injury, pre- prevention work, post-op day zero to, uh, to the performance phase um, has been really, really fun to try to cultivate that with, uh, with these guys. So, yeah. And you know, when I came in back in August, I was like a year or so removed from the ankle injury. And before I even told you, I broke it and we were doing all the mobility stuff. And they're like, you're like, did you have a problem with that ankle lately? I'm like, like, yeah, I was in a boot for four months last year. Um, but you know, you've definitely seen a lot of like the, the combination of not just the rehab, but the training, having the weight room, you know, really get the athlete, you know, back to where it is. And I'm guessing, Mike, that's kind of where you came in. So when did you join this? And I'm guessing you guys have always kind of had the same vision. Yeah, correct. So I uh, met Mark last year, uh, early last year. Um, Yeah, as soon as I started talking to him, I knew we had the same philosophy in uh, rehab and kind of beyond into the sport specific. And even if it's not just sport specific, just moving better, getting people to move better, whether it's stairs, uh, getting in and out of bed, things like that. Um, I think that's missed a lot. And just looking at a knee, if it's a blown out knee, all right, it's just the knee. But, you know, wanted to look at overall how they're moving. So we just got talking a lot. And, uh, yeah, he brought me on as clinic director in April of 2023. Uh, yeah, and we've been hitting the ground uh, running. Um, yeah, even with, yeah, like they said, we look at this, you know, every, every ankle and, or every uh, joint and how it's moving. And that's why I was saying, like, your ankle, I can tell you're shifting and this and that. But uh, anyway, yeah, we had the same philosophies. Um, yeah, and I just I felt like it was the right click. And then that leads us to kind of how Mark and I um, started this baseball thing. Yeah. I want to hear more importantly, though, that you guys have known each other, been playing with each other for a long time. So how did this, like, friendship kind of turn into, like, the professional, like, we're going to go into business and do this together? Yeah, so um, we played through high school together. Um, We trained together. We we hit together. We threw together. We were always bouncing, you know, hitting and throwing mechanics and different training ideas off each other. Um, Went to University of Sciences, played college baseball there. Uh, Mike also went there. I had some injuries and didn't play. Um, I played there. I had some injuries, had some, you know, maybe bad training, um, and honestly could honestly say my college baseball career didn't go as planned um i never felt like it was because of a lack of talent um i felt like you know basically i came into college probably six foot three 200 pounds left 225 pounds of muscle and i wasn't hitting the baseball as far i wasn't throwing as hard i wasn't running as fast um and it's like how can this be you know i did all this training and the truth was i didn't know how to use my body in sequence correctly you know using the kinetic chain uh, one of the things we talk about a lot so I kind of want to just play in adult leagues after college and just, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist by trade as, as these men are and just try to figure things out for myself. Um, Mike started playing again. We really just started bouncing ideas off each other for the past four, five, six years of playing ball together and learning how to sequence better, learning different training methods. And, you know, slowly over time, I felt like start hitting the ball farther again, start hitting the ball farther than I ever did before, you know, start hitting seven to 10 home runs a year, hitting the ball 400 feet again. I'm not saying this to brag about, oh, look how good I am. It's just, I'm the same person. I I went from being a good hitter to being a bad hitter to being a good hitter again. And it's like body awareness, sequencing, all these things that we want to train. It's so important for athletes to know all this stuff that it's so fragile. It could, and especially in a game like baseball, that's so specific. 
so, so skill-oriented that you really have to train athletes to know what they're doing on the field. And, you know, when Mike kind of came to me last year and said, we're thinking about getting some baseball training together, we kind of said, well, I've been doing all these things for all these years. Why don't we just put a program together, see what happens? Um, and the data-driven stuff that we kind of added into it as well for us is kind of the other part of this to say, you know, I know this is a bit of a saturated industry. I know there's a lot of different baseball programs around. You go on Instagram, you're going to find 5,000 trainers, hitting coaches, throwing coaches, and they're going to tell you A, B, C, or D. So, you know, why are you going to listen to us about this stuff? And I think the data concept that we added to this as well is we don't think this is helping. We know this is helping now. And now that we've had 15 to 20 athletes come in here and we're getting very good results, um, you know, it's something that we can market and endorse and tell people, hey, if you come here, we are pretty confident that these measurables are going to increase. Yeah, and so, that's a you know. Yeah, even a, to add to that, Mark and I have been when we, I mean, we've been we grew up together, but we've been kind of tweaking things since we started playing together, and it finally seems like it's starting to click because now we've grown on our knowledge. You know, in my my field and PT, and Mark just constantly growing and learning different uh, patterns in baseball or any sport he's playing. Uh, we kind of just put our minds together. Um, and now it seems like it's finally clicking. Like you realize, like, oh, this is why we got to do this for for pitching or hitting. So it's funny because we've always had this. We would always like text each other, let's go to the cage, you know, at, at DV and hit. <laughs> but uh, you know, we try to work on things, but didn't we didn't know what we were doing. Now it seems like we know why what, what we're supposed to be moving and why we're supposed to be doing it. And that's kind of where we're like, yeah, we can bring this to other kids, other athletes who, when they didn't have this knowledge in high school, like we didn't have. You know, they might tell you, hey, you got to do this, you got to sit back into your hip. Like, what does that mean? Like, what is, what is, you got to turn harder, you got to swing harder. Well, how, why, what's going on, you know? So um, that's kind of what brought us really to that next step of, of training. Yeah. Um, so I guess my, my follow-up question to that is, you know, like every training facility, all the ones around here kind of have things that like make them unique. So whoever wants to answer this, what do you think Motive like does that, I wouldn't say nobody else is doing, but that you guys think like represents your main philosophies? Yeah, I, I can chime in just from my perspective is, um, you know, there's uh, from a structural standpoint, like from an organizational standpoint, um, I've seen that a lot of sports related industries and this blends in with physical therapy um, and rehab is um, a lot of times it's fragmented. So folks have really, really great people and when they're seeking a service and they might layer that right with a lot of different personnel so when i get banged up my spine hurts i got, I got this chiro um if i have like a soft tissue injury or something i i have my pt I, we hit them up when we need them the hitting coach with you know a, a strength and conditioning coach and a lot of parents are at least like uh, in two part one they're they're going to all these specialists right these different folks with terrific skill sets um but they're all uniquely independent and it's i've just found it's been so hard to coordinate all of those within one plan um to get everybody on the same page to for let alone just have a phone conversation i mean a lot of the folks are open to that but we're all live busy lives we all have got caseloads and clients and and books to run and all kinds of stuff so um my dream has always been to have a little more of like a one-stop shop um because the inner kind of the uh, integrated personnel where if someone's at motive and they go hey 
um, every time I move or squat or do whatever, do something athletic, I get like this pinching pain here, you know, and it's not, oh, you know, a lot of times there might be a quick progression or a quick adaptation that someone might do in the gym or something, avoid that, do this or that. But to really have like a wholesale evaluation to know where an athlete is top to bottom, um, to be able to walk into the next room and see a physical therapist, see our strength and conditioning coaches, see our baseball guys and have them all talk together and all under the same umbrella we find that that just drives so much better uh, outcomes. Um, so that's one differentiator, especially from, um, I found that most athletes want to train where the best train and they want to feel challenged and they want to feel like they're getting better, right? So they want to throw harder, hit farther, all those things you described. But we see folks that are young. And what I found is that, you know, uh, Mark mentioned injuries once or twice, but just amongst the two of them. And it's such a common thread that parents want to, of youngsters high school younger like they want them going somewhere safe right they want them going somewhere that uses foundational principles and they might not say all this the, these terms but they know what they're looking for they want someone has a good knowledge base of how to how to progress an athlete safely um, especially you get a 11 12 year old and they're seeing everybody you know deadlift and throw barbells around and all the fitness fads we see and they're like i don't know really where to start but i'm just i just want to start lifting heavy um so mike brings up movement quality right versus you know just a volume or, or a certain activity um but it's a long-winded way to say when i first met these guys they were like mark the reason we're so passionate about baseball is because imagine if we know now if we know now what we know now, if we knew that back when I was 14, you know, and my always thing is like the number one risk factor for an injury is what? Not bad posture, not weakness, not the number one risk factor for an injury is a prior injury. Okay. And in baseball, I see it as habit forming, right? How hard is it? All of us pick a habit you got. How hard is it to break it? Right. So we have this philosophy where it was like, what if we got people in? before these habits became so hardwired in their nervous system. And we create the positive habits that changed Mark's ability to play baseball later in a later phase or before uh, Mike had these injuries. Those, those were addressed holistically. So that's been the, the fun part. And then you just layer in this element of like the, you know, Mark's brain <laughs> with the data and physical therapists is a perfect marriage because physical therapists love we love numbers. We geek out about testing. And a lot of athletes in the past are not so much into that, but now they're so keen on asking those questions. You know, it used to be just show up and, yeah, how many burpees, how many hills I got to climb, what are we doing? I'll do it. And it's not, why do I feel this way? How, how, how do I do that better? You know, actually having introspection about how you move has been cool because you have this new evolution of kids that are like, yeah, uh, what's the data? You know, and was like, hey, we love testing. So we've done this pilot phase to make sure it works because we're not going to put out, you know, a crummy product that doesn't work. But the data showing when we test, retest, um, is there improvement? And the fun part has been, does that improvement, is that validated in sport? Yeah. Are they actually hitting, running farther, faster, all these different things? So it, that's, I think, the differenti differentiators is... Um, is this collaborative uh top to bottom full spectrum offering um and a big piece of that is is human movement keeping yourself in good shape 
keeping yourself, you know, ironclad against injuries, all of those things, um, versus just, you know, wearing something out to have a small window where you can hit farther or run faster. Yeah. We're kind of interested in, in pairing up all those things. So it's been just fun uh, to add that element because that's how I address kind of our PT side of things. So it's been a, a nice marriage that way. Yeah, I think we're kind of bringing the PT, almost like PT eval mixed with a sport specific like assessment yeah you know um yeah so i don't know if you uh sorry i'm losing my train of thought go ahead Mark, if you want yeah to. no so and, and i think you know the, the words that we kind of use a lot sports science data-driven injury prevention those are the three big things we kind of want to cover um we do our initial assessments um and, and we'll take any athlete through an assessment um initially right away we're not just going to bring them in and have them start lifting stuff we're going to test them for a bunch of mobility work see what their deficiencies are things of that nature um if they have any videos of themselves hitting or throwing um even if they're going to a hitting or throwing coach there might be things that they're trying to coach them out of and they might just not physically be able to get into a, a good movement position i know you know we were kind of working with ben for a long time with the elbow with that and it seems like we've had positive results with it so far um and then we want to test force production um you know, to run faster, to throw harder, to hit further, you have to produce force. You know, it's boring physics, but, uh, you know, force is mass times acceleration. Um, I think a lot of times you go to places and they tell you to lift heavy. Yeah, there's a mass portion of that, but there's also an acceleration portion of that, how to move faster, how to move heavy weights faster, and how to move them efficiently. And that's kind of where they all tie in there. Uh, we're doing our lifting test, our rotational power test, um, things of that nature. You know, we kind of want to get a gauge of where the athlete is here. Um, kind of that blend with the mobility we could see where their shortcomings are where they need to improve and then we could create the personalized program for them to do it and then when we retest at the end um, fortunately we've had pretty good numbers so far um, I've had one athlete in particular here he dropped his 60 time by three tenths of a second uh, increases throwing and swinging speeds by uh, five miles an hour each side uh, who, who would that be oh yeah this, this guy right here yeah <laughs> um, i'm happy to be the lab rat but no, that, that, those are things we like to see. And I think when athletes physically see that data-driven point to it, they get excited. Um, we don't think you're doing better. We, we know you're doing better. And kind of that kind of that whole blend there really gives us kind of a full-court press of kind of like covering all these different areas that we know we're making more functional athletes. And then there's the other part of it uh, with the mobility part and, and what Mark talks about as well is the why, why you're doing something. I always say when we bring athletes in, like, do you actually know why you're deadlifting? to play baseball and everyone's going to say well it makes your leg stronger well, yeah it does but the reason you're deadlifting is the hip hinge pattern is so important and you know, we have a couple posts on our instagram about it um the hip hinge pattern is so important for hitting and throwing and how to load into your back hip and create all that power that you're getting out of that motion to rotate and swing faster throw harder things of that nature and that's what we want to teach athletes we don't want to just have them doing workouts just to do them even if it's a little boring and monotonous and you know, we kind of explain to you guys all the time why we're doing what we're doing once we could do that hey when we're doing med ball throws getting in this pattern now and then you start seeing the numbers creep up start to train those muscle groups and those movements to be stronger and we know at some point that's going to translate to the on-field stuff as kind of we saw here when we did your reassessment as well all right, so I can give my hitter perspective as well. Ben, I want to hear from your pitcher perspective. I'll turn you around here. Uh, just like the way that you, what you've experienced so far, how have you felt like, you know, Motive has been, been able to cater to you kind of as a pitcher and what you've seen from them? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I have been someone who, and I, we've kind of talked about in the gym, like 
we barely even in college like there were two years where we didn't have a pitching coach so like a lot of my training and everything has been on my own so just to be able to get in and get some kind of direction and i think uh, you guys talked a little bit about like communication i think the communication has been incredible the entire time and it's really helped me learn a lot about one how my body moves and just two like some of the misconceptions I've had about pitching for so long and getting all that cleared up has helped me throw without pain. It's helped me throw harder. It's helped me get stronger. It's really been night and day from just doing anything on my own and then going into here. It's just like having the structure here, you know, like sometimes like it's nice to just be told like exactly what to do and not have to like have your own interpretation on things. Uh, would you say that like since you started, like I know you had some elbow pain when you came in. Have you felt like all of this stuff has helped with that? Oh, 100%. And I was, it was, I had elbow pain to the point where I genuinely thought I had torn my UCL again. And, you know, I was able to go in here and they ran a couple of tests and I gave them a couple of video and they're like, oh, you know, you're doing this, this, and this. This is probably why you have pain. Was when I had sent in those videos and they kind of showed me the mechanical changes I needed to make, um, that really just cleared up everything almost immediately. And since then, it's been almost pain-free. So that was honestly the thing I was worried the most about. And to get that cleared up, like, gave me so much peace of mind. And I, I don't know, like, there's really been no one had it was something that no one had been able to point out previously yeah yeah and i felt the same way when it came to hitting because you know when i was talking about my ankle and we did all the mobility tests you kind of like you would ask me you're like do you feel like you know you're kind of landing on your front foot and like collapsing and rolling over a lot and i'm like yeah you're basically describing my last like 50 at bats you know throughout the season because you guys kind of helped me realize that there's a difference between you know being in shape and being in baseball shape you know like i was healthy to the point where i could live a normal life, be pain-free, like do all that stuff. But that's not a hundred percent in terms of like physical performance. Uh, so I think what I've appreciated is you guys being able to like explain like, Oh no, your, your mobility is bad here. That leads to this, which leads to th- like, it's all a chain, you know, in terms of like the domino effect of like, it all stems down to the, the lack of mobility there to begin with. Um, and I think there's been a lot of specific workouts that I'd never done before that you can just see how it translates to baseball, like like the jammer press. Like if you, you know, break that down, like I thought that was an upper body workout, right? And that kind of explains why it's more of an upper body dominant swing that I would have when you realize, you know, when you put the, um, the, the tracker to it so you can see like how fast you're doing it. Like, you know, the data is right in front of you. It's not just like, oh, I feel like I'm doing it faster this way. It's like you can literally look at it and be like, oh, like when I, when I do it with a slightly different mechanic, then you realize like the number goes up. It's not a coincidence. No, exactly. And that's kind of where that whole kind of data tracking thing comes into play there. And you'll kind of see that with a lot of our workouts. Yes, there's lifts you're going to do. They're going to be, you know, an upper body or lower body movement. But a lot of the things we do are, you know, multifaceted. You're, you're kind of using your whole body. When, when you're deadlifting, you're activating a bunch of different muscles. When you're, you're doing a jammer press, we're trying to create as much rotational power as possible. You hit, you use your legs, you throw, you use your legs, and it's it's things like that. And, again, with, with the body awareness type deal, that's kind of what we're getting at here, trying to repeatedly train those important movement patterns as much as we can. If we could put them into a workout, if we can make a row a, a more functional-based 
baseball cable row instead of just sitting there and trying to crank out dumbbell rows as hard as we can. We know it might not look as sexy when you're you're kind of standing in the mirror and, and flexing the muscles, but it's going to be more important to your actual uh, game. Yeah, yeah. If I could uh, chime in real quick, yeah. that uh, just to highlight a couple of things that Ben said really jumps out to me is the two things he said were uh, use the word demystifying um, and uh, use peace of mind. And um, not being a baseball guy, not being um, technically involved in that, uh, you know, I've treated a lot of ball players and uh, been interested in throwing athletes and that kind of thing, but I'm not inherently a baseball guy. And it's been so fun from my seat um, because I see things like what Ben alluded to, and Mike talked about this earlier, is Yes, there's nuts and bolts and biomechanics and principles that we adhere to. We've developed a model. We've tested that model in a pilot phase. We've seen positive results. But a lot of times as an athlete, you're walking in and you're kind of like given a program. And and a lot of times the success that's borne out by that program is the belief in the program. And I, I don't want to ignore that this is much akin to like an athlete that comes to me with an ACL uh, reconstruction. And that pick your poison, eight months, 10 months, a year. They do all the testing, physical testing, and they pass, right? We do testing data. We want to watch them move. And the power, their strength, everything is there. Um, and then you pull that kid aside and you say, yo, man, uh, how do you, how you feeling? And they're like, uh, all right, you know, and that you could just tell. And a lot of times now what we do, and there's so much awareness now, is mental readiness for sport. And a lot of these kids are operating at 100% and they mentally are at 60%. They got no confidence, they, they feel weaker, they feel slower, and maybe that's not borne out in the testing, but that's how they feel. And guess what? Those kids are at a crazy higher risk of injury because their psychosocial impacts for sport are not met by the provider, not met by the, the coach, the, the parent, the PT, whoever wants to tap into that, um, hasn't helped them through that process, you know? So this is a huge aspect where, like, Mike brought it up, where, you know, guys are coming in, they're getting testing, and they're actually starting to do understand, what do you feel? Like, asking all these questions, I hear it all the time, uh, Mike and Mark, like, what are you feeling when you throw? You know, where do you feel that? Where do you, And it's, um, yeah, hip hinge might help, but when you actually like have that relief that weight off your shoulders like hey these guys asked me yeah oh i do feel that and then we try things now it feels better like that belief in the program that belief in somebody tapping into how you feel about how you play um i was taught old school you know ignore that you know you're feeling bad feel it's not feeling sorry for yourself rub some dirt on it you know what i mean don't be a you know what like um but there's such a powerful positive impact on on tapping into athletes what it makes them worrisome and if his elbow feels worrisome about something you know when you get that relief sometimes that's so much better than how much your hip moves how much your shoulders in this position and we want all that you know we want to make sure all the hip and and shoulder are moving well um but but it's really about tapping into athletes' concerns. So that's my long-winded yeah. way to say it. it's been so fun to, like, when I hear that, peace of mind. I feel relieved. And my question, just for you guys, not to derail the interview, but I, I'm so interested in, like, he said, 
all these things demystified about pitching. You know, if I was watching the podcast, like if I'm a ball player, I'd want to know like what are those some of those key things that are like what are the what are the the false truths out there about pitching? What are the things you guys are seeing where if I'm a pitcher, it's like, man, I have been adhering to this thing for so long and it ain't quite what it what it is made out to be, you know. Um what are what were some of those things, you know? Yeah, so um you know, just just to kind of, I think that was actually one of your your questions. Going to be some of the misconceptions in the baseball training industry, and you know, we'll talk about it all the time. That any athletes out there, I mean, you know, if you go on Instagram or social media, you're going to get 17 different hitting and pitching coaches telling you 17 different things, and a lot of the things they say might be right, but they're all going to be a little different. We're sports science back, and Mike will tell you a lot of our stuff is from case based study information. You know that. No matter what you want to do, we're all rotational athletes. There's a kinetic chain you have to follow, whether you're a pitcher, whether you're a boxer, whether you're a tennis player, whether you're a hockey player, if you're shooting a slap shot. There's kind of a simple kinetic chain you need to follow, and we think we've kind of worked that out pretty well at this point. And kind of knowing how to work that kinetic chain, um, there are certain things. If you're if you're a pitcher, you might be told, keep your weight on your back leg to a certain point. Well, you got to rotate through your hips to clear your pelvis, to clear your upper body to get the ball to go through. And if there's something someone told you about staying closed too long or you know pulling a certain way with your your glove side, you're not going to get into that position. So, and, and same thing with hitting. We were talking about that you know last week where it's like you know a lot of times you you hear the term. One of my least favorite terms ever is stay back, stay back. If you're keeping all your weight on your back leg, you're just going to sit and spin. You're going to squish the bug and hook a ball foul. You have to learn to efficiently. You know, work that kinetic chain to, to get your body through the ball. And, you know, I think kind of our principle is study that, that same kinetic chain that's used in all these sports, and you can build a swing or throw model out of that. Yeah, Mike, and I think you, you said it best the one time. I forget what movement I was doing, but you said to me, you're like, I look at you and I don't know how you've ever hit a baseball before. Like you said something around that range just because and I'm like, you know what? If you watched me play this season, you probably would have thought the same thing. But, you know, I, I spent so much time trying to, like, strengthen everything back. That once I'm like, all right, like my, you know, because it was my back ankle, right? So I wasn't, I'd got everything strengthened, but I felt like I didn't have the mobility where I was just kind of like falling forward because I couldn't, you know, hold it back there. So like, there's a big difference between having your body right and knowing what to do with it. And I feel like that's kind of what you guys have really yeah. been focusing on. Yeah, I'd like to say we're bringing uh, sport-specific training, but I also like to say we're bringing athletes athlete specific training as well i mean you you and ben are great examples two different athletes two different positions and two and multiple different issues going on different mobility issues and strength issues so just getting the athlete to uh not only know what's weak what's not moving but also how to feel like how to feel in certain positions and what you should be feeling i want the athlete to feel as like to know what's turning on like what position they should be in and yeah you know, what muscles are activating what different patterns they should feel not just oh i should get into this hinge motion at this point but what should be firing there i think that helps them with the training then you can turn on those muscles in different deadlifting patterns different squatting patterns and then carry it over to the sport specific uh activities whether yeah. it's swinging or throwing yeah because there'll be a lot of times where we do stuff where it's like you do one lift or movement followed by another because it's like we want you like with the pvc pipe you know it's like you want me to to be thrown like the medicine ball like i'm swinging and then grab the pvc and do it as if it's like an actual swing and it's like i feel like you guys do a good job at explaining like when we train this movement and this is how it's going to relate on the yeah. field so you feel it out yeah, you're almost priming the muscles 
like what you should be using, and now let's use that in the sports specific yeah. pattern right there. Let's start building those like neuro neuro patterns in the brain to start, you know, just like train, just like practicing piano. You got to practice over and over, but it's good to almost prime those muscles with certain exercises and then get into those patterns to see what you're feeling, and then we can adapt if you're not feeling it or whatever. So. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. And getting back to some of the injury prevention stuff, yeah, you know, I think how something makes you feel is important. Um, and I think one of the big things, and we, we talk about this all the time, I said it when I had my ACL injury, you're, and Mark alluded to it, you're, you're back physically, mentally, you might not be there. And as I talked to Ben about earlier, the first thing we had to do when he came to us was we got to get rid of this elbow pain. We could ramp you up and throw as hard as you want, but if your elbow's still going to bother you, it's not really going to matter. So once we got that elbow in a safe spot, and then we could start ramping up and going hard because now you know you're physically going to be able to trust your body to move. Same thing with your ankle there. Some of the some of the crazy plyometric stuff we have you doing where you know I'm shoving you physically, pushing you to kind of land on it hard and redirect back. That's done because when you get onto the field now, you're trusting, okay, it's stable. If I got to make a quick cut or a quick movement that's not in a controlled, close change setting, now you can do it. Yeah. And the mental aspect is so big, like uh, Mark brought up too. Like that, the athlete, it can get a vicious cycle of uh, every time I'm going out there, I know I'm going to be in pain, just I got to suck it up. But then that also causes a lot of compensation issues. Now you don't realize your body's compensating out of those patterns because you don't want to be in pain. So, you know, it can become a vicious cycle of getting into worse and worse habits. And I think we're bringing that to kind of break those habits, be a healthier athlete, and then uh, in turn being a stronger and better athlete too. And then the more confidence, you know you're not going to have pain, you can go out there, you, you can feel like I'm going to move 110% without like, oh, here we go, here's that elbow pain or that ankle pain again. Yeah, like Ben, this is a question for you here. Did you feel like, because I know there were times that this summer that you felt like you were pitching through pain, and do you feel like as a result of that, your mechanics might have changed to try and, you know, throw without it hurting just to stay out there? Oh, 100%. Like, I would, in the summer, when it, towards the end, when I was, when I would go to pick up a baseball, there was a thought in the back of my head of, like, today might be the day, like, it goes for good. And just, I was that worried about it. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I was doing a million different things to try and compensate for that. And, being able to get in and, like I said before, just understand where that pain was coming from, that, like, it was okay, like, now arm's not going to explode, really just help. And then from there, kind of building the movements and understanding why why we're doing what we're doing. And that's something that I think Mark and Mike are incredible at, are just really making it easy for someone like me who – is kind of an idiot to like understand why we're doing this. Um, it's just, it's helped me so much to be able to like kind of get that confidence back and, you know, pick up a ball and be like, yeah, I'm going to throw us as hard as I can and I'm going to be completely fine. I don't have to worry at all about it. Yeah. It was the same with me. Cause like, I felt like my swing mechanics changed because it hurt to try and sink all the Correct. way into that, Correct, yeah. that back ankle. So I'm like, all right, well I, I need to try and hit the ball you know, like I had to, in a sense, rush back because I wasn't really, I would say, fully healthy until like February or March. And when you play college baseball, like your season's basically starting around that time. So at that point, we had a team that just made the final four. And I'm like, all right, I need to like just get on the field. And then it got to the point where like we had so many guys that were able to play that I'm like, all right, like I'm kind of cooked. Like I'm going to step aside. You guys do your thing. Like I'm going to, you know, 
plan on kind of basically i mean i would i kind of started at ground zero when i came in like i had i was in terrible shape i had really not a, a plan for anything i'm just like my ankle's not 100 percent. i'm out of shape i'm not hitting the ball like at that point i'm like 205 210 i'm like even if i'm not the strongest i shouldn't be hitting balls like 78 miles an hour like there's still too much in the tank too much mass here uh in the frame to not be not be producing in any way so I feel like you guys pretty much immediately saw things that were just like, yeah, this, you know, this yeah. isn't working. It's yeah. funny. The, the the body will find ways to do the job. It'll, but it won't always be the most efficient way if you're in pain. It'll find ways to swing. It'll, 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 you'll do it. I, I mean, athletes are the best at this at compensating and be like, ah, I can do this. I can. But until you start tweaking those things out, the, um, then you, you you don't realize what you're not doing right, and then eventually it leads to elbow pain or bad bad swing or ankle issues and stuff uh so mark i know that you have some slides i'll put them up in the post editing but what is some of the data that you want to share that you feel like kind of gets your point across that like what you're doing has been successful sure so with a lot of our testing you know we measure different things we measure barbell speeds it's been a big thing for us um you know you see those guys that are deadlifting the gym they're deadlifting 500 pounds and they're shaking the bar up the entire way and it's going super slow and they probably can't run very fast a lot of them and part of that is you know coming back to our force equation you know you have to be able to move weight fast. So we have a, a Vertruve. It's a, a barbell speed machine. We do it a lot with our deadlifting, our rotational presses, things of that nature. Um, we want to make sure you're lifting certain weights at certain speeds. Um, and then when we're kind of going through our program, we want to see how that correlates to being able to jump farther, being able to run faster. Um, rotational uh, med ball throws that we're clocking, it's a pretty good correlation to swing speed and throwing velocity. Um, we believe those tests, um, and we kind of tie it in with, with you, um, in terms of like the throwing and swings and um, 60 yard dash times, we want to see that all this stuff kind of shows improvement. So we've kind of had a, a good data set. We've had about five in-house clients and about uh, 15 remote clients. Um, we've been working with um, Rowan College of South Jersey's uh, junior college baseball team. Shout out to uh, Joe Gorman and other uh, guys over there that are doing some really interesting things. Um, but, you know, just kind of overall, we, we've seen, you know, kind of a lot of these tests and our lifting speeds. Um, for our deadlift and our rotational presses, we've seen, you know, an average of 10 to 15% increases in, in overall speeds probably um, through about a six-week program. In our rotational med ball throws with, with the remote clients, uh, it's probably a little lower just because they don't have the same equipment we have. That There are about 5% increases. And with our in-house guys, we're seeing 10 to 15% increases, you know, in their rotational med ball throws. You know, guys are throwing them three, four, five miles an hour harder through a six-week program. You know, I think kind of you in particular, you've been through two programs now. I think your your max velocity was, you know, on your, your dominant side, your right side, you were throwing 23 miles an hour. I think you had 28 or 29 the other day. Um, you know, kind of as some of the studies shows, uh, that's a pretty good correlation. You could you have the potential to throw a baseball 10 miles an hour harder now. Um, those are things that excite us. Um, when athletes see that stuff, you know, I think the way we kind of want to market a lot of this stuff is we don't think it works. We know it works. We have these numbers to show if you come in here we know your broad jump's going to increase by seven eight nine ten inches you're going to run you're going to drop two tenths of a second off your 60 time uh, for a lot of high school and college players out there these days we know that you know the way to get recruited the way to get looked at in draft they look at certain measurables they look at throwing velocities they look at swing speeds they look at um sprint speeds to be able to have some data to show that you're improving in these areas, it's going to give you a better chance to get to the next level and just be an overall better athlete. 
Are you at all worried that you're going to get Ben and I too good that we're going to knock you out of the over 25 league playoffs? I don't know. You see, I'm a little disappointed when Ben told me I, I hit a ball off the fence off him last year. I've never had success against him, playing against him all these years, and I found that as UCL is about to explode, <laughs> I don't feel as good about it now. So, um, no, but I, I'd really like to, you know, I kind of could see where Ben's trending in that regard in terms of his throwing velocities. Um, Excuse me, I know he was kind of in the low 80s last year. We think we kind of have a goal to get him into the mid, maybe upper 80s by the time the season starts pain-free. And those are kind of goals that once we have all these numbers, we could kind of track and say, you know, with you, you came and you were hitting 78 miles an hour. Now you're up into the mid-80s. We're working on some swing mechanics, things. Hey, Brendan, we think we could get you into the 90s now. I think that's a realistic goal. These are things that we could set and be able to build off of and, you know, anyone that comes in here, um, you know, we've had some college athletes in. Uh, Will Kelly from um, our sinus, Kyer Burwell from Albright. We're kind of excited to see how they play this year. You know, kind of keep your eyes out on these guys, and we're going to see how it goes. Ben, you think you got the big 9-0 in you someday? That's like, I hope so. I'm, I'm going to try for it. That's it's a hot, it's a big number, but. I believe in it. I believe in it. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in what we're doing. If we get there, we get there. If we don't, I'm, I'm happy with the effort. Like it's again, like I feel, I feel better than I have in a while. So that's really the main victory. But dude, I would love to, I would love to get the big nine out. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, I think 90 for him would probably be hitting a ball 400 feet for me. I feel like that's like the, you know, my, my max, I think, was actually, ironically, at our side is like 380. So I think 400 potentially in the tank. And I think that what you guys do well is you really emphasize patience because especially for us, now that we're not in college anymore, I have from when the Delta League season ended in August till like April or May, you know, to just really just take this thing slow. Uh, and it, it feels nice to not have like that monkey on the back where it's like, oh, I got to go to training camp in like two weeks. Like I need to, you know, try and fit everything in there. Uh, so I think the, you know, the patience has been nice that we can really just work out everything. Like I haven't felt this pain free in a long time, which is, you know, it's just, it's like a completely different ball game. Of course, you know? appreciate you guys taking a chance with us. Yeah. And I mean, even our stuff, even for guys who want to play in adult leagues, I know, you know, High school and college guys are are, are focused, but you know, guys that are looking to, to play in adult leagues and still care about the game. Maybe guys who might have just got released in, in the minors or playing the Delco league or things like that. Like, you know, come give us a, a come give us a look. I mean, if you're going to a gym, at least go somewhere. If you really care about baseball, we'll kind of tailor your gym settings to you to help you with your game moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And for anyone listening, the studio. I'm sorry, not the studio. The uh, for anyone listening, their facilities are in Garner Valley, but you guys do offer the take home stuff as well. So for people that don't live around here that want to be able to train with them and do what they do, as long as you have the resources and can find a gym where you can throw medicine balls, you know, you can have like all the barbells and stuff, like you can still do this. Yeah, yeah. we can even adapt to whatever they have. You know, there's more than one way um, to skin a cat here. So we definitely, if they tell us what they have or whatever, even at home stuff, uh, we can definitely get uh, them moving better. Thanks. Uh, I guess the last main question I have to wrap it up is we've kind of talked about how we're both, you know, in the same spot where we keep just trying to build up and build up. What do you think would be kind of like the end vision? Like, what would you say if motive gets to a certain point, you'll kind of be like, not like we made it, but kind of like the, you know, what would be the the, the peak of what you guys do? Yeah, I can just say from my perspective, <clears throat> um, you know, we're in this phase where uh, we have a sample, you know, an end of you know, less than whatever, 50, but um, really, really promising. 
um, for what we've seen in 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 each case and um, more data just is better you know and I think we're in this phase where um, it's at least if I was a young baseball player and I love baseball but I don't really know how to get better or I'm a little confused or I have questions um, at least maybe this conversation is a little bit of like a call to action on um, getting some of that data right and we use that a lot um, so at Motive, we, we do sports performance training. We see a lot of athletes in across different sports, right? You mentioned having a lot of time. What if you're a tri-sport athlete in high school and you got, how do you, but you want to play baseball in college, you know, what do you do? Who do you talk to? Um, but uh, more so about getting some of that information. We always say in rehab, like everybody says it, but it's so true. If you don't test, you don't know. And if a lot of youngsters don't know where to start, and maybe it's not signing on a full program at Motive, but whether you want to get the testing with us and use our types of numbers, they're valuable. It's a set point. It's a baseline. It's something you can reference. And we do that a lot. You talk about barbell speeds. If you trend at a certain barbell speed all the time, and that's kind of like your set point, homeostasis for lack of a better word, a big thing I think that folks get through osmosis of being in a joint sports performance and rehab setting is this understanding it's like just in the air it's what we breathe we live and die by recovery and recovery science is this new booming phase but people have so many questions of how they do that how they adapt it to them everything from nutrition to training to rest to programming um but the big key for me is as we have more of this data, a nice thing is like even if you just came and got the testing done and you kind of know like, oh, when I'm feeling pretty good, you know, I'm, I'm here on this uh, barbell jump, right? Here's my barbell speed on average. You know, well, if you've got a showcase coming up and, you know, the week before you're going to warm up and you're considerably slower, you know, you didn't get markedly weak in one week, but... We're dynamic organisms, right? We got immune systems. We got all these different things. And now there's so much interest in how does someone know when they're at optimal performance? How do we measure recovery, right? Whoop bands, HRV, grip strength, you know, a morning test, a night test. Uh, there's so many different ways that everyone's trying to calibrate when you're at your peak. So we are interested in where athletes are and then how to get them at their peak and how to maintain that. But if you ask me, how do we know when we made it? It would be um, having enough data and enough streamlined operations where an athlete comes in and they know every facet of what they need to do borne out by testing. They don't just get a bunch of raw numbers that make no sense about milliseconds. They know highlighted here are the three areas that are affecting your game the most. This is why these are what these numbers mean. So it sinks in and they know it, you know, and that could be everything from an injury assessment. And they know that a performance assessment, nutrition, all those things. So I think there's a lot of rounding out to do about our offering. Um, but uh, we, you know, when we met back months and months ago, it was like, not, hey, how do we get baseball players on our door and train them? How do we get more people to motive? How do we, you know, it was literally, you know, get, we have to prove to ourselves that this works. So let's get two guys and keep tweaking the model. And the model and the data will prove itself. And if we prove it to ourselves that it works, then we can start to tell the world about it. So we're kind of at that phase where we're so, uh, I th and I give all the credit to these two guys. <laughs> I've been, uh, 
you know, uh, just kind of more a uh, backbone of support for them. Um, but I've seen how much tweaking they've done and thrown stuff away because it doesn't work and it might be attractive or jazzy on an Instagram post or a fitness fad, or, but it, it doesn't make better baseball players. And they're so passionate about just getting to the core things and making athletes understand what makes them better baseball players. Um, but I think there's so much meat on the bone with nutrition, recovery, um, all the other different things. Um, but we got to start somewhere, and the data suggests that we should just kind of keep uh, refining that. Um, and rounding out the entire offering as a package. But feel free to chime in. That's just kind of where I see some of the direction going that we've talked about. No, couldn't agree more. And then just other things, trying to build it to make it um, more accessible, more baseball-specific as well. You know, obviously we put the plyo wall in um, a couple weeks ago um, just to start getting some kind of more of that that similar driveline, tread athletic-type pitching stuff we're doing. I know me and Ben talked about potentially getting a net that we could, you know, a portable net we could put kind of behind the – the building and start throwing some more weighted ball work into that, um, getting some a tee and some balls in to just start taking some swings into a net, some uh, plyo ball swings into a plyo wall to start kind of working on swing design, things of that nature. You know, kind of the more we could provide. I know for a lot of baseball players, they're kind of looking for that catch-all facility where you could lift, you can throw, you can hit, do things that, and just trying to make the facility as accessible as possible, kind of that the more we can give, I think the more people will be interested and I think kind of, you know, kind of just making the facility as, as accessible as possible to really kind of hunker down from our mobility and lift works to physically throwing and hitting. And I think those are the big things for me. Yeah, they both these guys hit it. Like just a one-stop shop. If we can really, the more we can get to see them moving in their sport and we can, you know, fine-tune that and adapt that in the clinic, in the uh, training room, uh, the better. That's our, That's our goal. All right, Ben, is there anything you want to add here before we wrap it up? Just anything chime in? Uh, yeah, n- nothing really else to add. I just um, huge thank you to those guys because it's been, it's been really an awesome experience training with everyone. No, agreed. I think I'm excited to see. I mean, we're still obviously a couple months away from the year, uh, but just, you know, going in, I haven't felt like this, like going into a season, you know, just feeling like I'm going to be fully healthy and ready to go. And I think mentally that goes a long way. Because, like, you know, I wasn't even honestly thinking about bringing up the mental side of things. But when you started talking about it, you know, it's hard to play when you feel like you're a ticking time bomb. Like, I could just take one wrong step and it's like, oh, then I'm going to boot for another three months. Like, if I do, you know, it's hard. You know, walking on eggshells would be probably the metaphor I'd use uh, because, you know, it's just like you feel like the, the other shoe is going to drop at some point. Um, but is there anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up? Yeah, I'm just excited about, you know, another year. I think we're, um, you know, as kind of uh, the resident um, logistics kind of business side of things, um, I'm really excited about the direction this is going. And I see, you know, kind of that made it moment being um, right now we're situated, I think, perfectly from a tech standpoint, from an equipment standpoint to cater to like, single or small group very small group athletes in like an individual type of setting for that full service offering in person um obviously for teams um our facility is not equipped for larger groups um so right now i think that's a lot of management remotely um you know so i i see the kind of direction being i would love if you know in the future we accommodate um, team-based approach, right? Um, I think we're really, really well situated for that individual approach, but there's so much 
uh, information's power, and there's so much information that these guys are not only have but are getting from what we're doing that um, we can broaden that. So we need the space for that. So any you know uh, tri-state commercial realty folks can hit me up <laughs> independently um but uh, i think these guys are are just uh gonna be getting bigger and bigger running out of room uh everywhere they go so i could see you know um uh having a lot more athletes to to entertain in-house that would be a kind of a really fun step so we'll look out for that um down the beaten path but it's been a fun start yeah all right well um uh, just to specify, just just our current training model, uh, it's three days a week, um, probably a four to six week program before we would reassess. Um, we'll have a couple probably Instagram slides coming up soon, kind of a little bit more going into specific with that. But usually we're probably sticking to some sort of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule in the evenings for now. Yeah, and even to add on to that, we, you know, we start with the assessment of what Mark was talking about, a mobility assessment and a strength speed assessment. And then we build off of that, try to be as individual as possible. All right. Well, thank you guys for everything. Thanks for coming in. Uh, it's been fun to train, and you know we're just getting started here. Sounds uh, thank good. you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Thanks, for the you guys Monday. All right. Thank you to all of our guys at Motive for taking the time to come in the studio. Uh, as we said in the interview, we've really appreciated what they've done for us. Uh, I know it's a two-way street that you know we've really been able to help each other out because you know we were looking for places to train. They were looking for people to come in and just collect data uh, and do everything to you know, really show that the stuff that they've created has positive impacts on athletes. And you know, as, as we said at the beginning of the show, we're kind of the perfect lab rats because we're you know, a hitter and a pitcher. We both played at colleges where, you know, like at least playing club at Penn State, like our coaches were students. Not to say that they weren't good coaches. You know, our, our head coach, Cam Medic, is, is already got a job as an assistant at an actual D1 school. But in, the reality is, you know, we didn't get like the – higher level instruction that you'd get playing, you know, D2, D1, minor league, whatever. So, you know, we kind of just relied on our natural talent and, you know, what we've learned throughout our lives. But, you know, these guys have really kind of helped us understand what we're doing and, and how we're doing it. Uh, and I think they did a good job explaining their vision. And, you know, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this uh, and, and looking to, you know, take your, your baseball skills and training to the next level, uh, I think this is a great place to start. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, let's get into our uh, very brief Phillies and MLB offseason stuff. You know, we're not just going to make up random storylines and rumors and all that stuff because and reality is it's a very dead time uh, in the Phillies offseason. Uh, right now, we got some guys that just, you know, settled their arbitration cases. Ranger Suarez, Jeff Hoffman, uh, Greg Soto, and Edmundo Sosa all signed their deals. Uh, I believe in terms of arbitration, that means that they would be free agents after this upcoming season. Right, like this was just their one-year deal that they agreed on. John, um, if I so my only knowledge of this is playing franchise mode in the show. So I think there's multiple years of arbitration. Um, that at least that's what I've had to deal with when I was at one point the GM for the Rockies. But um, yeah, I, I think there's multiple years of arbitration. Choosing to be the GM of of the Rockies is a tough uh, tough job. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I wanted the challenge, and then in hindsight, the Nolan Jones centric rebuild was probably not the way to go. Um, so, full full disclosure, I got fired after three years. I didn't know you could get fired in that game, but you can. Could you just sign like another job, or were you just like that's the end of the career mode? 
nothing. I've spent so much time trying to make the Rockies good, and I just I didn't even want to try again. I was so mad. No loyalty there. Um, all right, so the only Philly that actually is headed to arbitration is Alec Bohm. Uh, I believe he filed for four million. The Phillies were around like three points something. Realistically, they'll probably end up meeting somewhere in the middle. Um, but you know, I have to wonder about his long term future here because it's weird. Like you know, in terms of ML in Major League Baseball in general, like he's a fine MLB player, but you know, it's just like he carries the expectations of being picked third overall. Uh, I think Aiden Miller is going to be a stud here eventually, but he's still you know, a, a couple of years away from making that impact. Um, realistically, you know, Bohm's going to be here for the next couple of years or so, which I'm fine with. I just like, I feel like we're running out of time for him to live up to the hype and be like a true, you know, not a, even, not even a star, just a above average MLB player, which I just don't think he is. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's like more than one way to look at it, I guess, but is he going to end up being a star? No, but also, I'm pretty sure in 08, wasn't the third baseman like Pedro Feliz? And it, you know, you need guys who are just fine, and that's what he is. And I think that works for what it is when you have guys like Harper, Turner, Rayo Muto. Like, you have the stars that can carry the load, and he can kind of be there and be a you know slightly above average third baseman. Yeah, and his defense has definitely gotten a lot better. I think he needs credit for that. I mean, I thought he was a, a train wreck there for his first couple of years. Like, the I, you know, I effing hate this place. Uh, but, no, he's definitely improved a lot in that regard. Um, other Philly stuff going on uh, from The Athletic. Matt Gelb, writer, said that Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery uh, pitchers aren't really in the Phillies' plans for the rest of free agency unless there's, like, an unforeseen market change, which, you know, I totally get. Uh, they're they're going to cost a decent amount of money. They're probably going to want – more years than the Phillies are willing to give out. Uh, it would be pretty cool if it comes to like February or March and these guys are still unsigned and say, all right, we'll, we'll sign a short-term high annual deal because that seems like more what the Phillies would want to do. Maybe get into a little six-man rotation type stuff. But as it is right now, I mean, the rotation's fine. It got them 90 wins last year. I think a, a Taiwan Walker bounce back would be great. Chris Sanchez just continues to, to keep improving Obviously, that playoff start. In reality, the worst thing he did was forget how many outs there were and not turn the double play, right? Like, his pitching was all right. They they didn't give him a super long leash. But overall, I mean, this rotation, I still think top 10 in baseball definitely could be higher. But I, I think that if they go into this with this as the plan, I, I'm all right with that. All right, it looks like we lost Ben due to uh, some connection issues. He's up in the mountains at Penn State uh, driving up there. There's really not much left to talk about on the show here. Uh, you know, We covered the Phillies uh, arbitration stuff. We covered Blake Snell and Montgomery. This I don't even know if you consider this much news, but apparently uh, the Phillies came out and said that Jake Cave's roster spot isn't 100% guaranteed. They, uh, they signed him to a one-year, $1 million deal, but only 500000 of it is guaranteed. So there's a strong possibility that if they find someone else that they feel like could either be that fourth outfielder or someone that could potentially start uh, more often in left or center field. If Johan Rojas doesn't, you know, put it together at the plate, that's something that uh, that they can just kind of cut ties with him and, and eat their losses if they find someone better, which realistically they, they probably can, if not just, you know, find another name of a player that fans can yell at, you know, for no reason. Uh, just quick two rest of the MLB offseason stuff. Marcus Stroman signed a two-year, uh, I believe, $37 million deal with the Yankees. Uh, their rotation, along with Garrett Cole now, 
Uh, looks pretty solid if Carlos Rodon can bounce back from his injury issues last year, get back to his 2021-2022 form uh, along to go to go along with Juan Soto. It's a pretty good addition for them. I think uh, low risk, you know, two years isn't anything that if it blows up, they can't, you know, get out of it uh, very quickly. So it uh, seems like a good signing for a Yankees team that doesn't seem like they want to accept being, uh, you know, a non-playoff team for very long which, you know, I, I've said it on the record. I don't hate the Yankees as much as a lot of other people around here do. It's like, yeah, they beat us in the World Series, but, like, if you want to hate every team that beats a Philly team in a championship game just because they beat us, you know, that's I understand the Philly spite, but, you know, I, there are multiple teams in the NL that I hate more than the Yankees. Uh, so good for Stroman. Uh, I think the interesting news is that Jordan Hicks, uh, who was a reliever with the Cardinals and Blue Jays the last couple of years, signed a four-year, $44 million deal with the Giants to be a starter. I think that kind of threw me off because we said on the show last week that he was someone that we were interested in to potentially be a bullpen arm and potentially even a closer for the Phillies. But a big contract for him, a guy that failed as a starter once before. I guess the Giants kind of feel like they have nothing to lose here. So, you know, they're, they're willing to give it a shot and see what happens. All right, I think that's all we have for you uh, on the show today. Um, we appreciate the motive, guys, for coming in. We'll get Ben back in studio soon. Uh, you know, I'm never going to criticize him for going to a Penn State hockey game uh, because if you haven't been there before, those are a blast. But uh, we got some good interviews coming up in the near distant future, so keep an eye on that. You can follow us on uh, pretty much any social media at Delco Baseball or at Delco Baseball Now. Uh, make sure to subscribe on YouTube if you have not already. But as always, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time.